0: Hey there, and welcome to the First Missionary Baptist Church sermon podcast. We're honored you've chosen to join us today. In a few moments, Senior Pastor Alan Miller will launch into this week's teaching. Before that, though, we'd like to encourage you to also check out our website, firstmissionary.net where you can find out more about what the Lord is doing in our local body and how you can get involved. Now here's Alan with this week's teaching. Amen. Let's give God a hand clap of praise today because he's so worthy and so good, worthy of all of our affection, the honor and the glory that we could give him today. Today we will be in First Samuel chapter 17. We're continuing in this series, Taking on Your Goliath. And we are looking at an ancient story that has tremendous modern day application. We are basically, over the next several weeks, we're going to be walking through First uh, Samuel chapter 17. So for those of you who are Students of Scripture, uh, this is going to be an expositional study in 1 Samuel chapter 17. Uh, We're also going to be looking at this uh, in terms of a subject as well. And and that is, we're going to look at this in terms of understanding that as David faced Goliath in the valley of Elah, uh, you and I face certain Goliaths and giants of our own. And in this series of teaching through 1 Samuel chapter 17, we're going to identify some principles that were there in David's life that he used, that he exercised, that helped for him to have the victory over his Goliath. And hopefully we'll be able to take those very same principles and with the help of the Holy Spirit, we'll be able to see how those are Uh, effectual, operating, uh, and right there and available for us as well in our lives for us to take on our Goliaths and the giants that we're facing. Last week, we talked about understanding the nature of your Goliath. And in that, we went back into our story, if you will, this historical event that took place some 3,000 years ago, And we identified the great giant Goliath. We looked at some features and characteristics of him. Uh, We understood what he was bringing to the battle in terms of his physical stature. I mean, a giant of giants from six foot six to nine feet six inches tall. Uh, His armor alone weighed about 125 pounds. Just the, the head of the spear that he carried was about 15 pounds Uh, And he was just a a massive, massive man. And last week, we understood that uh, for us, in taking on our Goliaths, we we can't battle in the physical. You just can't. Uh, Even physical, true physical battles uh, of our lives, uh, the answer so many times is not in the physical aspect of the fight, but it's in the spiritual aspect aspect of the fight. It's looking at spiritual solutions to even physical problems, and then seeing beneath the physical aspect of what's going on is a real spiritual battle that's taking place. So what we may think is physical is really spiritual. And so as long as we fight in the flesh, we're never going to win. But when we begin to fight in the spirit against that which is truly spiritual, then we can see victory. In fact, one of the biggest things that's going to come to us is the realization that in Jesus Christ, not only do we have everything we need to take on our Goliaths, but the reality is that is in Christ, the battles are already won. We just got to figure out how to walk in them. We just have to figure out how to walk in them. So today, we're going to move from the physical aspects of Goliath and moving away from understanding the nature of our fight and our Goliath to looking at the actual challenge, the challenge of your Goliath. Again, this story goes back some 3,000 years ago in ancient Palestine. And I want you just to imagine me going back in time, if you will, I'm going to show you a picture of where this scene unfolds. And in ancient Palestine, Palestine. There was a uh, border, one of the the border of ancient Palestine. It was actually the eastern border. There was a mountain range. Uh, this is in the Middle East. Uh, this is in the uh, area of what we know today as as the Middle East and of Israel. This is ancient Palestine, and in just a second, I'll. Identify some things in this picture for you that will help you out, but just imagine with me for a second, along the eastern border of Palestine was a mountain range. And this mountain range, uh, on this mountain range, was, was positioned the major cities in Palestine, Jerusalem, Bethlehem, and Hebron. Now on the other side of the border, the western side were coastal plains, on the side of the Mediterranean were coastal plains. But something was really, really important about this area and about this region, and it was called the Shephla. The Shephla. The Shephla was a series of valleys and ridges that connected the coastal plain to the mountain ranges. It was a very strategic area because for hostile armies that lived in the coastal plains, like the Philistines, and if you'll remember from your Old Testament history, the Philistines were like the biggest enemy of Israel. I mean, they were they were a war mongering people. They were sea people from the coastal plains, and they were really advanced in military strategy and weaponry and and metalwork, and, and and they were the nemesis. I mean, the the like the arch rival of of Israel. So if Israel had its own Goliath, if you will, it was the, the, the people known as the Philistines. They were coastal people in the coastal plains. And this Shephelah, this series of valleys and ridges, was really important because for hostile armies to go up into the mountain range and antagonize the people who lived in the cities there, they had to go through the Shephelah. To get to the mountain range. So this valley or these series of valleys and ridges. That you see here in this picture. Is a very strategic area for hostile armies. To antagonize the inhabitants of the people living in the cities in the mountain ranges. It just so happens that when our story comes to us. In 1 Samuel chapter 17. That the Philistines are on the move. They are going to move through the Shephelah. To come up to the mountain range. To go to Bethlehem. And if they can occupy Bethlehem. Then they will split the kingdom of Israel into two. And weaken the nation of Israel. Israel is in its infancy at this point in time. So this is a very, very key movement on the part of the philistines they are moving through these, these the, the, this particular valley they're moving through this valley this shephelah and the shephelah was a beautiful place i mean forests of oaks and wheat fields and vineyards it was it's one of the most beautiful places in israel philistines are on the move king saul hears about the movement of the philistines so coming out of the mountains, he moves his army down into on the other side of the Shephelah. And they are going to head off the Philistines. They come to the valley of Elah. And you will see here in this particular picture. You can see the ancient cities of Soco and Goth, And here... On the southern side of the Shephelah is where the Philistine camp would stop. And then on the northern side of the Shephelah, right here, is where King Saul and the Israelite army would camp. Now this is important because for the Philistines to come up into the mountainous area... They'd have to go through the Shephelah, they'd have to start up the mountain, and that would expose them. The same would be true of Saul and his army to come down the mountain and cross the Shephelah and come up the other ridge on the other side, that would expose them. So on each side of the Shephelah, the Philistine army and the Israelite army are at a standstill. They're deadlocked. The question is, who would go into the Valley of Elah first? Who would challenge the other one? Who would do that? So then you come to 1 Samuel 17, and the Scripture tells us about where this battle is taking place in the first part of chapter 17, and we know that the Israel—I'm sorry—that the Philistines they would send into the Shephelah they would send their great warrior giant, Goliath. And in verse 8, we pick up with Goliath standing in the valley of Elah, shouting across to the Israelite army and challenging them to send down a man in ancient battle and warfare. This is what is known as single combat. Because if you could imagine what warfare looked like in that day and time. Hand-to-hand combat. Guys who carried a sling were called slingers. Who had like a slingshot, but it was literally a sling. They were like the slingers. Uh, Goliath is is, is one who specializes in hand-to-hand combat. If you could imagine, this type of combat was extremely gruesome and Bloody, there was tons of bloodshed when armies would go against each other. So in single combat, one army would send its greatest warrior. The other army would send its greatest warrior. And instead of having this massive bloodshed, this bloodbath, if you will, the two would duke it out. One representing one army, the other representing the other army. And whichever one won, that army would win. The scripture tells us in verse 8 that Goliath in the valley of Elah stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel and said to them, Why do you come out to draw up in battle array? Am I not the Philistine and you, servants of Saul? And he says, Choose a man for yourselves. Let him come down to me. If he's able to fight me and kill me, then here's the deal. He will become your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall become our servants and serve us. Again, the Philistine said, I defy the ranks of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. Who would be the man? Who would be the man? Who would be the man? When it comes to you taking on your Goliath, you're the man. You're the woman. That's why it's your Goliath. Who would Israel send? And and there's really one person who would really be fit for this challenge. It's King Saul. Because when King Saul was anointed as king of Israel, the scripture says that he would stand head and shoulders taller than all the other Israelites. He was a tall, dominant man himself. So surely King Saul, on behalf of Israel behalf of his army, would say, you know what, guys, I've got it. I'm going to go down, and I will take on Goliath, but Saul does not do that. And we're going to see why in just a second. Also, nobody from the Israelite army steps up and says, hey, we'll do it either. We're going to see in just a second why they did not. Why did they not take on Goliath? It's probably the same reason why you're not taking on your Goliath. Probably the very same reason why you're hesitant to take on your Goliath. Remember what the word Goliath means anyway? Some people think, well, Goliath, surely the word Goliath means great, massive warrior, like giant, right? No, the word Goliath comes from a Hebrew word which means to reveal, to unveil. And here's what Goliath was doing in the Valley of Elah. He was revealing to Israel her weakness. And that's typically what our Goliaths do as well. They reveal to us our weaknesses. They reveal to us our soft spots. Have you ever felt like, you know, that, that Satan just kind of understands you and, and knows you? Have you, ever, have you ever felt like, man, when it comes to warfare with this enemy that I have, this spiritual enemy that I have, he just kno- he knows The buttons to push in my life. Almost like a a remote control. That he just understands and knows the weaknesses of your life. He knows the challenges. He knows your soft spots. He, He knows your tender spots. And guess what? Whatever your tender spot is or your soft spot or your area of vulnerability over here is, it's not the same for everybody. But everybody has those vulnerabilities. And we have those weaknesses. And our spiritual enemy certainly knows how to push those buttons. He has a way of revealing or unveiling to us our weaknesses. He knows the buttons to push in your life. And if you don't think he knows the buttons to push in your life, then let me remind you, Tomorrow is Monday morning. He knows. Goliath means to unveil or to reveal. He's standing in the valley of Elah and he's shouting, Who will you send to fight me? I defy, verse 10, the ranks of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. This is single combat. If I win, You guys serve us. If he wins, we will serve you. But look in verse 11. When Saul and all Israel heard these words of the Philistine, they were what? They were dismayed. They were distressed. They were under stress. And they were greatly what? Not only were they dismayed, but they were greatly what? They were greatly what? They were greatly afraid. And then I want you to see this next part, and this is actually in verse 16. As Goliath would come into the valley of Elah and challenge them, in verse 16, the scripture tells us because in verses 12 through 15 you just get a you get a slight picture of David. It's almost like everybody's thinking who's going to go fight? Who's going to take on this challenge? And in the verses that follow there, you just get this little snapshot of David and who he is. But then you come back to verse 16. The Philistine came forward morning and evening for 40 days and took his stand. For 40 days, every, listen to this, every morning, every evening, he comes to the valley and he challenges them. Send me a man that I might fight him. Every morning, every evening. There is no record in scripture, listen to this, that Saul or the Israelite army Ever replied to him. They're silent. They don't talk back to him. But he talks to them. Every day. Every morning and evening. Every day. Every morning and evening. Just can you imagine. Every day. Every Morning and evening for 40 days. The enemy does not take a day off. He is relentless. He does not take a day off. In the spiritual battles and challenges of your life and my life. I think back on those. Days where I just felt like the enemy was kicking my tail and he didn't let up. Every day, morning and evening, every day. Have you ever felt that way? I cannot get a break from the taunts of my Goliath. He is like my shadow. He follows me. It follows me. Every day, morning and evening, and there is no answer back, which means Saul and the Israelite army they're not willing to take on Goliath. And the answer for that is actually in the verse that we read in verse 11 it is because they were afraid. They were afraid. Have you ever been afraid? Have you ever been afraid? I have. I have been afraid. I've been afraid. Not necessarily like, you know, scared for my physical life. And yes, I have at times been scared for my physical life. If you ever ride in the truck with Danny Dyke, I promise you, you're going to get closer to Jesus. One way or the other. It's either by prayer in the cab or what you think is going to happen any minute, right? No one ever says that about my driving, thankfully. But they were afraid. They were afraid to take on Goliath. You see, the greatest weapon that Goliath, or let me put it this way, okay? The greatest weapon against the Israelite army at this point in time, the greatest weapon is not Goliath's strength. And it's not Goliath's size, and it's not his sword, or his spear, or his javelin. That's not the greatest weapon against the Israelite army or Saul at this point in time. Their greatest weapon is the weapon of fear. Have you ever been afraid? Ever been afraid? Of being hurt again. And there's a good possibility that the reason your Goliath is your Goliath. Is because he is revealing your fears to you. He's unveiling the things that make you fearful. That expose you. The buttons that he's pushing in your life the reason that they are significant buttons to you is because there is a fear. There is a great concern that you have that's associated with those particular areas. Are you afraid of being hurt again? Are you afraid of what others will think? Are you afraid of your image being lost? Are you afraid... Of feeling insignificant or weak? Are you afraid of being used or abused? Are you afraid of being broke? Are you afraid of not being who you want to be? Are you afraid of not having what you want to have? Are you afraid of letting someone down? What gives you your sense of fulfillment and significance as a person? I promise you, your fear is going to be associated with that. The things that bother you the most, that trouble you the most. The issue there is not the issue is how those things trigger fears within your life. And when you evaluate and you begin to understand what the true fear is, maybe it is fear of letting someone down, of disappointing someone. Maybe it is a fear of feeling insignificant or whatever it may be. When you begin to identify the fears in your life, you will realize how your enemy is using your greatest fears against you. And when you realize that you are on, listen to me, you are going to be on your way in taking down your Goliath. So what would be really good for us all today to do today is to think about those buttons that the enemy pushes in our lives and to think about how are they triggering these fears in my life and once I address that fear and know and understand that fear, then that weapon can be taken away. The weapon's taken away. So, what are you afraid of? What is your concern? Why? Are you feeling the way that you feel, and it's getting you down the way it's getting you down? Why are you feeling so defeated over this area of your life? Identify your fear, and once the fear is removed, then you are on your way to take down your Goliath. What is the antidote to fear anyway? What's the antidote to fear? It is faith. It is faith. And whatever your fear issue is, it says probably more about your faith in your God than it does about your fear of your enemy. Probably says more about your your faith of your God than it says about your fear of your enemy. Because wherever your fear comes into play, if you're embracing and adopting and accepting that fear, then you're also accepting the fact that God is not enough. That who you are in Christ is not sufficient. That your God's not big enough. It says a whole lot about your faith. So the antidote to fear is faith. Because when you look at the response of Saul and the army of the Israelites to Goliath. And you compare that to who's going to show up as this young shepherd boy named David. You're going to see that David is not afraid. You would think, my goodness, he has every reason to be afraid. He's small of stature. He's not a great warrior. I mean, he's a musician, right? But he's had some experiences in his life. He has seen God move and work in his life previously against the lion and the bear, he will recall. He has great confidence. Saul and the Israelite army, they're full of fear. David is full of confidence because he's full of faith. And here's what he understands. He understands that the fight that is out there in the valley of Elah is not his fight. It's not his fight. He sees it as God's fight. And his faith propels him into the fight. And he believes and he understands that God is going to fight Through him. At the core of David is a great confidence and a significance of spirit and heart. He knows who he belongs to. He knows he's a child of God. He knows that God is his God. He knows that God's been faithful to him before. And if you're sitting there going, How can I tackle this or how can I address this in my life? Then maybe you just need to look back to another area or another time in your life. Where God was faithful there. And then build upon that experience and remember that experience. I remember years ago when we moved to Texas. Emily and I, we had just been married a few months. We felt like God was calling us to go to school out there. And we loaded everything we had up in a horse trailer. Sold all the stuff that we had back home. Everything we owned was in a horse trailer. We hooked to a truck. Late one afternoon, about 5 o'clock, we headed to Fort Worth, Texas. She didn't have a job. I didn't have a job. I had school to go to. We didn't even have a place to live. Housing had told us, seminary housing had told us, when you get here on the next day, there will be one to two options you can look at. We were like, "Well, well, I'm sure we'll take one of them. Drove all night. We got there. And one by one by one by one, every fear, every challenge, every issue, God met head on. And I'll never forget thinking to myself, I need to write this down. I need to keep a journal in my life of how God's been faithful to me. Because I know there's going to come a time in my life in the future where I'm going to need to look back. And I'm going to need to remember. And I'm going to need to remind myself. That the very same God who is faithful to me in those things. Will be the very same thing. The very same God who's going to be faithful in that thing that I'm facing in the future. As you think about your greatest fear and your greatest challenge today. Just look back. How did you get to where you are today? The faithfulness of God. The goodness of the Lord. Has he been faithful? You see, some of us just need to be reminded. Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I'm really fearful today and I'm really challenged today. Oh my gosh, it seems so big to me today. But wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I felt the same way several years ago. And I remember then God did this. And I remember then God did that. And I remember then God was faithful in this way and God was faithful in that way. How he addressed all my fears in those things then. Has he changed? Is he different? Has he lost any power, any significance within himself? To deal with what you're facing or being challenged with today? The very same God. Who helped you when you face the lion and when you face the bear. He is the very same God who will help you take on this great Goliath today. And when you're reminded of that and you're reminded of who you are in Christ and the victory that you have through the cross of Jesus, then you can begin to sense fear falling away. And when fear falls away, faith comes into the forefront. And then when faith is in the forefront, you can go at it and you can say, who is this uncircumcised Philistine who taunts the armies of the living God? Don't you think God's got an interest in your life? Sure he does. Sure he does. And just as he had an interest in the Israelite army then, he has an interest in your life today. And David never saw the battle as his. He saw it as God's battle. His significance was in the Lord. And he was able to move forward in faith. Today, as you stand with us this morning, and as you think about Your life, and as you think about all the things that come against you, how might God today replace? your fear with faith as you just bow your heads and close your eyes this morning thanks for joining us on the First Missionary Baptist Church sermon podcast that's it for this week's teaching but you can always find more on our website firstmissionary.net we'd also like to encourage you to like us on Facebook follow us on Instagram and Twitter and subscribe to our YouTube channel if you benefited from this week's lesson, be sure to share it with your friends and family then leave a rating and review on your favorite podcast app. Thanks again for listening, and God bless.